Hey, everybody, we have a great show for you today. You've heard of the great resignation. You've heard of quiet quitting. You've heard of boomerang hiring. But have you heard of quiet hiring? We're going to talk about, and not surprisingly, have a minor but not complete disagreement about whether you should be asked to do more at your current job for the same pay. We're also going to have a little discussion about a potential SEC rule that would make it easier for LPs to sue VCs for failed investments. And we have finally learned how much Sam Bankman-Fried invested in the media outlet Semaphore. Let's just say we were off. Our estimates were low. And then, of course, it's Thursday. So Lon Harris joins us for another edition of This Week in Streaming. It's basically my hell because it's all horror stuff. The horror box office hit Megan. It's a viral marketing campaign. The Last of Us premiere HBO's horror series based on the hit PlayStation game. And some other horror recommendations I'm never going to watch, but it's going to be a great show. Stick with us. This Week in Startups is brought to you by Vanta. Compliance and security shouldn't be a deal breaker for startups to win new business. Vanta makes it easy for companies to get a SOC 2 report fast. Twist listeners can get $1,000 off for a limited time at vanta.com slash twist. Super gut. It's the easiest and tastiest way clinically proven to regulate digestion, curb cravings, and boost energy. Get 30% off their delicious shakes, bars, and fiber mix at supercat.com with code TWIST. And Formulate. Formulate matches you to a personal chemist to customize your products and solve your hair, scalp, and skincare goals like thinning, itchiness, and flakes. See how they use robots to custom mix each bottle and get 25% off by visiting formulate.co slash twist. Interestingly fascinating. Uh, we do a little jargon watch here. Yes, we love it. You know, like, uh, by the way, jargon watch used to be a, uh, a little section in a, what's called a magazine. And this magazine was called Wired. It's a magazine. It was like they would kill a tree and then they would put together a bunch of uh, hot takes <sighs> from podcasts. And then I they would still... package it in a magazine and give you the magazine. And then everybody would read the magazine the same month. And when you went to dinner, you'd talk about it. Did you read that in the magazine? I mean, it was Wired the August was episode. And people would tell you on the cover. There I was in college with my yeah. nerdy boyfriend. And yeah. he got what was probably the third or fourth issue of Wired in the mail. Yeah. And it was like mm -hmm. the big tabloid style. And I was like, yeah. this is the sexiest thing I ever saw. The magazine. Yeah, it was a big, it was like Mondo 2000. Wired or sort of this, or these zines started coming out to cover cyberpunk tech, whatever. But anyway, now we're stealing it. We're stealing jargon watch. We heard about quiet quitting. Mm -hmm. uh, yeah, just, you know, keep collecting a paycheck, but don't do any work. Um, mm -hmm. And just, you know, be on strike while working. There was the great resignation. There was quiet oh, yeah. quitting. Mm. There was boomerang hiring where the yes. people who great resigned greatly mm. resigned i guess then we're like i've made a terrible mistake please take me back and now there's yet another hit, hit me with it <laughs> quiet hiring okay we should be clear that even quiet quitting was like totally overblown and it was just people giving a name to something that wasn't even that big of a deal but now apparently according to the tiktoks jason found this one <laughs> there is a new trend a bruin quiet hiring will dominate the U.S. in 2023, says HR expert, and you need to prepare for it. Quiet hiring will dominate in 2023, says HR expert, and you need to be prepared for it. Quiet hiring is when a company acquires new skills without actually hiring new employees. Essentially shuffling current employees around or hiring contract employees. People are upset because they see this as companies paying people the same or less for more work. If this happens yes, to you, let's you go. should be compensated more for going <laughs> above and beyond and delivering high quality work. No. If your jobs just change significantly without any pay or change the job title, you should talk to your boss or HR. You could say the new work that you're assigning That's me true, outside though. of my job description requires a new contract. No, HR like experts, that. I don't, I don't recommend doing you do that. Make sure to do it no, right to prevent burnout and do the right thing. <laughs> yeah, do not take this guy's advice. No, you should if definitely your boss be doing this. More shit you on your plate after letting some people go, and and you're being quiet hired. <laughs> I suggest you just say, yeah, you got it, boss, uh, because you'll be next on the job. I feel like this is just bait, by the way. This is the producer just dropped this in oh. so that they could juice a fight. They were just like, come on, go, go, go. Look, quiet. Shout it out. <laughs> quiet firing was like firing people with no support. Quiet quitting was people just, you doing, know, let's face which it, was like, not a real thing. People, that was the first year of remote work, but it was not a real thing. And then this quiet hiring is a real thing. Yeah. Um, if you were at 
Microsoft and they let go of 10,000 people and you've got a group of 10 people and they cut two and you're eight. Obviously, the work of those last two people is going to fall on the other eight. I mean, yeah, the end. The, that's the way this works, folks. There um, is I, like a, you know, I mean, this is <laughs> TikTok is not going to do this in a nuanced way. There no. are some states that have actual labor laws about your about substantial employment change. That's really? a real thing. Yeah. Like if your job. <laughs> uh -huh. Sorry, I had to read to laugh. <laughs> California, <laughs> I'm pretty sure, is one of them. What? What? I've never even heard that category. Your job description changed. Okay. Mm -hmm. Substantially. Okay. Substantial employment change, and it can that can mean uh, like your salary is reduced, or your job totally changes, or you're kind of fired, or you were asked to relocate mm. with no notice when the conditions oh, yeah, of different location when the conditions of your job were X. You know, like you, it's remote, but now all of a sudden you have to change. So, like, if mm. A bunch of people got like it's nuanced. If a bunch of people got laid off in your company and work has to be redistributed, you may end up with additional responsibilities on your plate. That's a pretty common downturn situation. Of course. It is unavoidable. Yeah. If all of a sudden your company is like, yeah, I'm gonna need you to do this completely different job. Yeah. That has, you know, whatever, 30% more hours and it's a 15% pay cut or whatever. Like, yes, you should talk to it. Come on. Like there are rules about that kind of thing. I mean, and communication also, is super important. And in a downturn, like it's a lot yeah. of stuff is going to change. And the companies who abuse their quiet, quiet hiring uh, rights, right? That quit. they have now all of a sudden, like now all of a sudden companies have more latitude to ask for more from employees and they will and they have to because austerity yeah. and the companies who abuse this new reality will lose those employees when the market changes. That's how it always works. Yeah, or, or if they're good now, they could probably find a job now. So, exactly. You know, if you're yeah. if you're the as always in America, I think the reason we tend to win is because everything's at will. Employees can quit anytime. Employers can make changes anytime. We haven't what's called at will on either side. Anybody mm -hmm. can leave, and now it's going to get even more um, interesting because I think this like I think Lena Khan's going for. Uh, getting rid of non-competes outside of California because there are places yeah. I think Texas and New That's England huge. where you still are uh, can be captured by a non-compete and I think they're going to do what California did which is get rid of them. Yeah. I, that is just a that's an unalloyed good in my opinion. Like that is so restrictive and and it stops it stops people from leaving companies and starting new companies, right? Like it's bad for the that's bad for the founder universe. Non-competes yeah. are. So. I mean, founders sometimes um, have the ability to, you can get bought off the market. So you're paid to kind of sit, you know, it's like you have a contract, they pay you and earn out, whatever. So you're paid to not participate. That's actually legal. It's just illegal to have a non-compete if you're not paying the person. Yeah. Uh, but you can, ex you can accept, and you'd have to have a lawyer and you have to have a contract for this. You can accept payment for not competing. You'd have to opt into that. Right. Totally. And you, you'd that have would them. be a contract. Exactly. Okay. If you're a SaaS or a services company that stores customer data in the cloud, well, you know it. You need to be SOC 2 compliant from a third party to close those big deals. And you need to use Vanta if you want to do this quickly and easily. Vanta makes it incredibly easy to get and renew your SOC 2. And on average, Vanta customers are SOC 2 compliant in just two to four weeks. Compare that to three to five months without Vanta. And they partner with over two dozen audit firms who have been trained to file SOC 2 reports directly within Vanta. It's a total no-brainer. We all know that. A bunch of my portfolio founders have used Vanta and they report back that they have an amazing experience and they do that consistently. One more time, if you don't have SOC 2 compliance, you can't close major customers. You need to close major customers in 2023. We all know that. This is a really important year for all of us in the tech industry, in the business world. So, Here's the best part. Vanta's going to give you $1,000 off. That's right. $1,000 credit is waiting for you. Vanta.com slash twist. And hey, that major customer, that can be the difference between your startup thriving or going away. We all know that. Vanta.com slash twist for $1,000 off your SOC 2. Let's cruise through. We got a couple minutes to cruise through a couple okay. more stories here. Yeah. Uh, this, has been, this has been kicking around mm -hmm. and may in fact be getting kind of real. New proposed uh, SEC rules that will heavily impact our industry. These mm -hmm. rules have not been approved yet, but it is sounding like the SEC is getting closer 
mm-hmm. to approving rules that would make it easier for LPs to sue VCs. Okay. Um, I mean, LPs can sue um, VCs right now. Right. This would make I, it easier. I don't know if they would win. This would kind of create a new legal framework, I guess, because right now, mm-hmm. when you give money to a VC fund, you are trusting the fund manager to make those investments. You don't really have a recourse as to what they invest in. And that's why they're able to take really crazy chances and invest on a cab company like Uber or an, exactly uh, you know an, a, a bed and breakfast company like Airbnb or Coinbase or Google or Facebook. You know, it's kind of as an capital. LP want your GP general partner, the person running the fund, to make crazy bets. So right. there is a kind of understanding that individual bets are not what you should look at. You should look at the because of the power law. Hey, did you hit an outlier or not? That's what yeah. you're betting on, at least in a VC fund, a private equity firm, which is still a private company fund. You're kind of buying companies that have established revenue streams. So you're taking less risk with less upside per company. And according to Politico, these rules, in fact, would not just apply to VCs, but also, like you said, PE firms, hedge funds, and real estate investors. And the yeah, way it works the now yeah. is that LPs can sue for gross negligence. Sure. Um, which covers reckless or purposeful acts. So, for example, if you knew that FTX was going off the rails and you invested anyway, that would be gross negligence versus just doing minimal diligence and having them go off the rails. Right now, you probably wouldn't be sued for the minimal diligence part. But if the rules change, it would expand liability to simple negligence. So that for so that if you huh. just didn't really, really, really dig into what was happening at FTX, then your invest then your LPs could come along and sue you. Do we have Which in the is, notes? Sorry yeah, to uh, go yeah. off script for a second. Do we have in the notes okay. gross versus um simple negligence? Uh as a, producer sort of as a definition. That's a concept, it's a definition. Okay. I'm I'm just pulling up here, Molly. Simple mm-hmm. or versus gross negligence. I, I I'll be honest, I don't know the difference. Yeah. Um me neither. The term one is like really bad and the other one is lazy. I don't know. I mean, I can guess. Yeah, that would be like it's degrees of negligence, but how do you even gross negligence? Gross negligence. I'm just pulling up the first Google result here. I should ask ChatGPT. Oh, we have a chat. By the way, we have a ChatGPT. Oh, yeah. I'm going to do Slack room. So maybe go to the Slack room where we connect the ChatGPT. Remember I said on the show, imagine if ChatGPT was in a Slack room. What is that Slack room called now? It's called AI testing. I'm doing it. What is the difference between gross negligence and simple negligence? Yeah, so we have a chat room here, AI dash testing in our Slack. We connected it to a chat GPT account and it is really great. Here we go. Okay. Gross negligence is a more serious form of negligence, which makes an individual entity liable for any damages caused by their careless behavior. It is a conscious and voluntary disregard Mm -hmm. of the need to use reasonable care, which results in a heightened risk of harm. So it's more like uh, intent. You have the like you knew, but you did Mm -hmm. it anyway. Simple negligence is a less serious form, which consists of a person or entity failing to use reasonable care that mm-hmm. would be expected in a certain situation. Okay. This type of negligence is usually unintentional and results in a lesser degree of harm. So in the gross. case of FTX, simple mm-hmm. negligence, I'm going to try to do an interpretation here. Yeah. Um, right now, the producers are just like shaking their brains. They're just like, like oh, oh, God, God. oh, God, oh, they God, oh, God. They just went to AI testing and got the answer before we get it. We did. Here's the idea. Do things, producers. That sit on top of the the chat GPT. <laughs> um, in the FTX mm. case, um, gross negligence would be, uh, according to this, mm-hmm. you had heard that FTX, you know, um, wasn't keeping good books, right? You were conscious right. of it, maybe, right? And somebody said, "Yeah, you know, these books are a mess," and you said, "Yeah, who cares." Um, we can skip the diligence process this time. They'll figure it out. I don't want to insult the person. They'll figure it out. That would be to me gross, right? You consciously right. and voluntarily, you consciously knew about a problem and you voluntarily ignored it. Like blatant disregard of reality. Now, simple yeah. might be, yeah, we're moving fast. We're getting deals done. Um, yeah, you know, we can do some light diligence on that, but we will just rely on the other people's diligence. And, you know, it might be like a simple, you know, disregard of it. Mm-hmm. In a down market, you know, here's the other reality of this. It's so hard to get into VC funds. It's such a trusted long-term relationship that this is kind of silly. Like if you're going to opt into this kind of relationship, 
with a fund, you're probably going to be in five or 10 funds with this partner. You know, I mean, you should be getting to know them and understand they're a thoughtful person and it's against their best interest. They only get paid if you make money. So it's kind of built into this. Yeah. The level of risk they're going to take is built in because you're aligned. There's perfect alignment here. I would think so. And yet this is America and somebody will sue. In fact, Bloomberg found at least one anonymous investor who was like, you know, the value of my holdings are down considerably. The thing is that especially if you've got. That sounds like sour grapes. Well, exactly, though. But now if the SEC goes through with this rule, then sour grapes become enough to sue. And that is completely, I mean, I, yeah, yeah, I think this would be a huge mistake on the part of the SEC. This is risky capital and risky capital needs to exist because if it doesn't exist, you can't make major changes. You can't we're disrupt, talking. you can't now innovate. We're talking. And so the idea of go. like making it easier to sue over this, like you knew what you were getting into when you signed up, it would be gross negligence on behalf of the LP Yes, to sign up. To invest in the riskiest class of investing and then be mad when they lost some money. Uh, buy bonds, buy the index fund, buy yeah. bonds, do a perfect bond, 60, 40, whatever you choose of equities, foreign equities, bonds, cash equivalents, treasuries, put it together in a wealth fund, perfectly chef's kiss, blended portfolio, protect your upside and downside, mute your returns. That's what you should be doing. Um, <laughs> there are other places to go. And if people want to, go down the private company rabbit hole and look at all these opportunities. You just got to be willing to have a crazy amount of variance. You know, you lose a hundred, half your money, you 10 extra money. It's, it's, it's a very wide swing of possibilities in a venture fund. Yeah. I hate this idea. I absolutely. Yeah, so, I think it's absurd. You know, do your own thoughtful, but uh, listen, your training's complete. You're now by default <laughs> taking the side of capitalists and capital allocators. You're I a free really market am. monster. You're I like, really SEC, am. give us less rules. Let's go crazy. Yeah. Perfect. I was like, get out of my business, <laughs> SEC. I mean, there, there are places where I think the SEC, SEC should be spending their time. Mm-hmm. And I think the number one place is education, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. And then reasonable rules that for the people who have less experience can contain the amount of losses they have. Yes. So the bet size matters. And so if you made it so that people had to sign an affidavit, I'm going to join this venture fund. I'm going to join this private equity fund. I'm going to invest this private company. I am certifying when I sign this document that this investment is less than 10% of my yearly income or 10% of my net worth. Just a 10% rule. Yeah. This is less than either of these two, 10% of my net worth or 10% of my yearly income over the last two years. Boom. On average. That would just at least say, well, you could survive that, right? 10% right. of your net worth, 10%. You made this decision. Oh, you signed five pieces of paper and you did 10% and you did 50%. Like you also took the course that said, don't put 50% of your net worth into like risky stuff. Okay. Yeah. You made a decision to gamble. You cannot legislate stupidity. You can put into rules to like limit the downside. But you can put up speeding signs. And you know, when people leave the exit yes. ramp and it says 20 miles per hour, like when I was in my youth, I had like a little game in my Corvette. I would take the exit ramp at 20 and I might double it. Right. And go a little faster than I should have. Uh, I wasn't exactly looking at it, but you know, I probably took exit ramps a little too fast in the Corvette because it was made to do that. And the Mm -hmm. 20 sign, and then you get a little older and uh, you got kids and you want to stick around and you know what? Yeah. I have cars that can Mm -hmm. handle the exit ramp at over 20 miles per hour. I, I, I drive the speed. I'm like in the right hand lane now because I have three daughters like, in my car. Yeah. It's just like you're, it's like those 401k bands, right? Like you can take the high risk one, yeah. like the aggressive one when you're young and then the medium one and then sure. the whatever. But like you, I, this to me, even just having a quote from an investor who's like, my investments are down substantially. I'm going to sue is like, boohoo, buddy. That's your choice. Look at me. Look how Schvelt. Look at my energy level. You know why I feel so good? Because my bestie, David Freeberg, helped create a company called Supergut, and it's a breakthrough nutrition company in the gut 
health space. It's the new year. You want to get slim like I did. I lost 30 pounds. How did I lose 30 pounds? I started exercising. I did some fasting and I used super gut chocolate brownie bar their mocha mix super gut also has unflavored if you're square and you want to keep it simple you don't like flavor in your life that's okay but all of super gut is amazing and clinically proven to help improve your digestion boost your energy and curb your cravings that was my achilles heel that's why i was fat every year i couldn't stop myself from eating because i loved eating i saw it as a reward then i start using super gut i start doing a little fasting i start doing a little exercising and the pounds come off why well because i didn't crave food and i didn't make mistakes and super gut did that for me they conducted a clinical study with stanford's research lab it proved the products worked so if you're a founder you know it's important to be productive capital allocated you're under stress you stress eat like i did your portion control is out of whack just give super gut a try 30 percent off huh best deal you can find use the promo code twist tell your friends to use the promo code twist to get the best deal on the internet my bestie gave me 30 percent off to give it to you supergut.com use the promo code twist save 30 percent start that journey and curb those cravings and watch the pounds come off it worked for me i hope it works for you yeah and you know in, in other related news remember i said semaphore yeah you remember there's a pu new publication <laughs> semaphore or as i've been calling it samafreed <laughs> that's so perfect all right semaphore is a it seems like a reasonably high quality product with great budgets and it seems like they're paying people really well yeah um, and they raised 25 million dollars which everybody was like whoa that's a lot of money for a cold start and what was the valuation on that so i was talking to people at semaphore who were asking me for quotes on like twitter or whatever and i'm like don't talk about my friends companies thank you um you can talk directly to him uh and i was like but hey i got a question for you and i asked the principals over there how much did you take and they're like yeah we're we haven't disclosed that and i'm like yeah that's why i'm asking you how much did you take i'm just curious like feels like since you're not saying it like just advice i gave them advice i talked to two different people there i was like you really gotta get ahead of this like media guy to media guy mm -hmm. you should say i uh you know how much you got and if it came out to be clear like it came well, out of course it was they were among yeah. the uh outlets that had taken some money from sam bankman freed as he was sort of splashy cashy okay. to various media outlets so we knew that they had taken some money there was some delaying and tap dancing on their part about whether they were going to give the money back. And your advice was like, you need to give the money back. And then you made a guess about how much you thought I guess? they had taken. I you said, guess oh, five of the 25 million, it had to be at least five. I said at least five, because if they're, yeah. if it was one or two, they would have just immediately give it back. If it was 20%, if it was less than 10%, they would just give it back. Mm -hmm. But if it was 20%, that could materially affect their plans, i.e., they may have built a budget where they're burning a million a month for 25 months. And now they've got to, if they got to get back 5 million, that goes your runway from 24 to 19 months. Yeah. So I'm just thinking practically. Yeah. Well, this okay. is one of the few instances in which you were wrong by a factor of a hundred. Oh, I was wrong. <laughs> they took 10. I said at least five. You said at least five and they took okay. $10 million wow. Dollars wow. of their $25 million round. 40% of the round. 40% of the round came from SBF, which you can now understand why they were tap yep. dancing around trying not to give it back. And so the New York Times reported that they are, they have apparently sequestered the money and are going to try to raise more money for a media outlet in this economy to Just try cut, to pay it back. Cut the staff in half is my best cut advice. Cut the staff in half is cut the only the thing to do. Or, or like go to the staff and say, listen, we lost 40% of our revenue. Everybody's going to take a 25% pay yeah. cut until we raise this funny. You got to do something immediately. It's that or they have a year left. Just based on like back of the envelope math about, you know, they say they're bringing yes. in $15 million in revenue. They probably are paying people an average of 140000 but that's okay. maybe more with benefits. Like, this is bad. Yeah. This is bad for them. Yeah. I mean, I don't yeah. know how many people they have, but they did hire like great writers. I'm guessing the writers are a buck fifty each. Yeah, maybe 200 yeah. in some cases. And that's not counting expenses. And this was, by the way, the most capital, this $10 million was the most capital that SBF gave to a non-political entity. So they got pretty much the biggest media nut. Crazy. Yeah. I mean, it, it, this is going to go down in the books. Like, what an incredible uh, Splashy Cashy this guy did. I, it reminds me, the only time I remember Splashy Cashy happening at this level was Ripple, who's under SEC investigation. If you remember, Ripple was yeah, just giving away tons of cash to celebrities. I believe they were like on the Ellen show. They, I heard rumors they were giving Ripple 
uh, tokens as like donations to schools and stuff like that. I don't know if it's true or not, but I just, you know, been hearing all these rumors from the back channel that they were just giving everybody this printed token. And um, I think, you know, you know, what's going on here is like they're trying to build goodwill by giving people money, aka a bribe. And that's what I think this is. Mm -hmm. like, I think it's best described as payola or a bribe. Uh, I think they were trying to buy good coverage yeah. from folks. I mean, you know, you just painted all of lobbying as a bribe, but I think we can all be honest sure. at this point in American politics. It is. It's all it bribes. Is. I mean, of course it is. It's all bribes. It's all corruption. It, if you're it, using money, the money like is this, being it is given to get, get influence. Therefore, yeah. it's a bribe. It's um, quid pro quo. Always. And so media outlets taking this money. Also, I think they were giving donations to ProPublica and other places. So, you know, you just have to wonder, luck. like, why are they why are they giving donations? And um, to me, yeah. it answered a very large question. And this is a bit this is a bit mm -hmm. of like pissy journalism gossip. But to me, okay. it added answers a really big question, which was these two guys came out, the two Smiths with effectively no plan. Oh, None. right. I remember that. Like yeah. when they were on their media tour about how they were raising money for a new thing, it was yeah. basically just like, well, it's just, it's us. So just, well, we're going to raise money. It's going to be awesome. And they never really had a plan. And then it changed all the time. And then they were like this. And then they were like, all journalism sucks, but we're way better. And they got a ton of unearned media for it. And then it was like, where the hell did they raise $25 million? And now we know that fully half of it was sketch money. All right. Here's Jamie Dimon as we end talking Let's end about on Jamie Dimon, shall we? <laughs> 57 seconds of uh, uh, JP Morgan um, Chase's CEO, Jamie Dimon, from the World Davos. Economic Forum. Davos. We pretty much always have some crypto conversation with you. I'm just curious because I don't think we've I, talked to you since. I think all that's been a waste of time. And why you guys waste any breath on it is totally beyond me. Because you just think the whole thing just is, is going to zero, going to zero and it's fake. It, it, Bitcoin itself is a, is a hyped up fraud. It's a pet rock. You're back to that. Yeah, really? Of course. Yeah. So what do you make then of, of BlackRock and other firms that are, are investing in infrastructure? No, that, that, that's different. Blockchain is a technology ledger system right. that we use to move information. We've used it to do overnight repo, intraday right. repo. We've used it to, we're going to use it, we've used it to move money. Right. So that is a ledger. That's a technology ledger type of thing that it, we think will be deployable. But remember, we've been, on remember we've been talking about ledger. that for 12 years too, and very little has been done. There's some so. tokens that, that I agree with you on, but, but Bitcoin's based on a distributed ledger. Yeah, but it, 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 has Bitcoin, all, I, it has I, I, all the characteristics of, of a store of value. It, I, it's immutable. It, it's scarce. Uh, it, totally untrue. It's, it, it's 21 million. Well, yeah, really. How do you know it's going to stop at 21 million? Because it's, I mentioned it's, this to people. Satoshi, too. It's, Everyone it's, says it's, that. Well, maybe it's going to get to 21 million and Satoshi's picture is going to come up and laugh at you all. <laughs> <laughs> and say, no, no. There, there isn't a picture. And by, and by then, Satoshi will take out billions of dollars. I, mean, I like hot toddy Jamie Diamond. Uh, yeah, he's, oh, would you call him Hot Toddy? Jimmy hot Toddy, Dunn? he's had several Hot Toddies there at Davos, and he's like, I'm done he's with this He's just exacerbated, like I was. Yeah. At crypto, it's just it's like when enough. You, well, when you do something real for a living, where you're like, yeah, I'm investing in real companies that are trying to sell software, build marketplaces to help people with an actual product, and you just keep asking me about some stupid <laughs> At some yeah. point, the Hot Toddy's going to kick in, and I'm just going to go Hot Toddy Jamie Diamond. Hot Toddy Jamie Diamond ain't having it anymore. Stop asking. Yeah. I got, by the way, I, people were like, why are you not at Davos? I got invited to Davos many times. Uh, they wanted me to be on their like young adults or young leaders bullshit 20 years ago. I'm cheap. Uh, they pitched me on this nonsense for like $40,000 15 years ago when I was running Weblogs Inc. And they were courting me and I was, they're like, you have to hang out with all these people and you come. And I was like, I'm sorry, $4,000, like $40,000 to join. It's $40,000. Is how much they, they wanted doing. from you? From me to be a young leader. And then they, they wanted, wanted you to, like, to pay to be a to young pay. leader? Yes. Oh, hell no. That's some Ted like, oh, scam right no. there. It's just like my same reaction to when Ted tried to charge me $50,000, like again, 10, 15 years ago, same time period, to buy a five-year pass in advance to Ted. And Ted at the time was like $6,000 or something. And they were like, we have this special VIP thing. You get to come to this VIP dinner with Chris Anderson and it's $50,000 for five years in advance. And I was like, they just seen I'd sold my company, so they thought I was a mark. And I was just like, yeah, you know, not for me. And then the people were like, oh, you want to have uh, Obama? Literally, someone going, oh, you want to have uh, Obama wants to have lunch with you. And first, you know, term Obama. And I was like, he does? What do you want to talk about? Uh, oh, yeah, he's going to have, he's going to make, he's barbecuing at his house. And I'm like, okay, that sounds amazing. And they're like, come on the, you know, we're going to fly a private jet. I was like, okay, that's great. They're like, yeah, I'll send you the paperwork. And I'm like, 
paperwork, mm-hmm. 50 grand to go hang out with Obama and whatever. And I was like, mm-hmm. okay. Anyway, All great right. show, everybody. Great um, show, everybody. Don't fall for the grift. Don't Whether fall it's for the grift. Freed or whatever. See you tomorrow, everybody. Bye-bye. Let me tell you about a radically new type of solution in the skincare space. Formulate offers customized hair and skin solutions like shampoo, conditioner, moisturizer, scalp serum, and more. But here's what makes them different. Formulate will act as your own personal chemist. They will customize your formulas, adjust them over time to your needs and preferences, and coach you on how to make your hair and skin the healthiest it's been in forever. And the best part, you can do this all through Formulate's mobile app, where you can speak to your chemist and dial in your formulas. And this solution is so amazing that I actually invested in the company. Every bottle is made to order and fresh, which helps deliver the highest dose of proteins and actives to your hair, scalp, and skin. I use it. I love it. Stop guessing and testing subpar pre-made products. Get the perfect formula for yourself. Let Formulate dial in a custom solution for you. And listen to this. Twist listeners can have their initial formulas designed by the founders of Formulate and get 25% off at formulate.co slash twist. That's F-O-R-M-U-L-A-T-E dot C-O slash twist for 25% off. It is a super cool company. Go check it out. All right, everybody. It's Thursday. So you know what that means. Lon is here this week in streaming. Lots to talk about, I think. Uh, Some stuff. La, la, some stuff la, going la. on. Yeah. Some stuff. Some stuff. This is where we're just the, the year is now progressing. Everybody's back at the office uh, in Los Angeles, and we're starting to get some deals, some news. Things are happening again. Got it. Got it. Everybody's back in the flow. It is uh, really amazing how it takes until the third week of January. Like January is the most stutter start month, and all of yeah. a sudden, like literally, I feel like yesterday is when I was like, "Oh, I have nine meetings today." Okay, we're back. Like here we go. There's a great new film out. Uh, that I was able to see that you know, I have a 13 year old right now who's putting the PG and PG 13. Um, mm-hmm. she's putting the 13 and PG 13. And uh, this movie's called Megan with a oh, three sure. as the E. Mm-hmm. It's a Blumhouse production. And the film, you know, I'm not a horror guy as it were, but um, it's a clever film surprisingly has a lot of themes that if you were in the tech industry talking about chat gpt every week molly mm-hmm. when For you example. see this movie and uh-huh. uh, the premise of which is a little girl uh loses her parents has to be with her nerdy aunt who is um essentially the uh i've got the i don't know get if she out. was allison williams she's from get out girls she was on girls she was on I, girl, I don't know right. Right. Mm-hmm. Daughter, Alice Williams. Yeah. And, and so she plays like essentially the a little bit like Asperger y, you know, able to parent parent new mom who has to take over for her niece. And um yeah, so she, she makes, makes her, her a, a doll. little AI friend. Yes. Which never goes wrong. <laughs> well, you know, you give them the prime <laughs> directives of like you have to protect this person. And of course, as we've seen in like Robocop and then the other movies where you give prime directive to robots i guess i robot the classic mm-hmm. one mm-hmm. Uh, directives can go wrong um and so chaos ensues but a lot of great themes about parenting as well hmm. and uh, of this course was, this was written by the same screenwriter uh as malignant akella cooper and mm. malignant was also like way better than it had any right to be and really fun and like a, a cool take on the sort of b-movie horror premise and uh yeah she's she's really good <laughs> she keeps knocking these out and they're always uh like a cut above what you're expecting i feel like one other really interesting aspect to this movie i mean certainly we've talked a little bit about the blumhouse atomic monster uh like the two production companies coming yeah. together but the other thing i think is really interesting about this is that it's a <laughs> like you know there's tiktok songs now on sirius this is almost like the first tiktok movie mm-hmm. like it had a totally viral marketing campaign based around this doll dancing that it sounds like they were originally going to save for the movie and then it kind of sneaked into the first trailer and became like a tiktok hit 
Yeah, Jason Blum, like, I, I read a, an interview with him, and he was saying when he first read the script, he was like, well, this is great. Obviously, I want to make this movie. But before I agree, I need to figure out how are we going to realize Megan? Like, how is it going to work technically? Uh. What's Megan going to look like? And he was like, I have to see it, and then I can decide if the movie's going to work. And it's a young dancer slash karate expert. They found a young woman who's both a good dancer and martial artist. So she's portraying, she's embodying Megan. And then there's a voice actress who's supplying the voice. And then it's an animatronic face. And he said, once he saw that put together and we can make it dance and we can give it these snarky clips of dialogue, it was like, obviously, in that instant, it was like, well, this is a hugely marketable character. We got to make this movie. And and yeah, I mean, I think that's a big, if you could get people like excited to see this new character, to hear the dialogue, to connect the memes with the movie, like that's a hit. That's how I you mean, make people want to go see a movie. Exactly. All of that. Yes. But really hone in on the clutch thing here. They made a TikTok dance. They made a TikTok like that, dance. If you want to win in today's world, you make a TikTok dance. Here is yeah. a compilation then of all of the, oh, good. She has a sword. What could, oh, God. This is just so scary. Yeah. 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 But I think so. This is her original dance. And then this is all the people now doing of the course. dance. And mm-hmm. it's, we saw the same thing with Wednesday, which became like the biggest Netflix hit ever. If you give people that, that like something to latch onto and connect <laughs> with, Michael Myers guy. that they can recreate on their own and remix and revisit, that it gets yes. them excited. Seriously. It's so fascinating, though, because just we, we you, it's not just virality. It like Morbius went viral. Exactly. And was it's a more dud. than that. Uh, I, we've been talking, uh, spoiler alert, I've been talking, mm. I've been rewatching Snakes on a Plane for a video I'm writing next week. Ooh. And that's another, well, specifically because of this, because that's an example of everybody loved Snakes on a Plane for the six months before it came out. It was every meme, you know, I'm tired of these M- MFing snakes or whatever. Uh, and then nobody went and saw the movie. So I mean, it's not hmm, just I virality. Wanna. It's it's you gotta hook. You gotta people. have word of be, mouth, right? It's, it's virality paired with interactivity to see for themselves, not just make fun of. Mm-hmm. It's interactivity, uh, yeah. also. Like yeah, and so I think mm, that's I'm predicting point. now that by the end of 2023, we are going to be so tired of movies manufacturing TikTok dances. Well, that but at least already, in this, but at I least mean, in this moment, we should give Megan its flowers because Sonic the Hedgehog flossed in his movie too. I mean, yeah. listen, it's been going on. They've known about the the TikTok Fortnite dance angle for a little while now. We've but, been knowing this. Yeah. There was a Chargers halftime show. Apparently, there are like uh, flash mobs outside the Today Studio. It worked. It, it worked. is something, right? I do think there's something about the look. Like it's the branded character. This character has a look that is memorable. It, it, like she says funny yeah. things. I think that, like that, has something to it as well. That people <gasps> just want to go be. They want to. They want to see more of this. This persona. They want to learn more about this IP. You know, like that. I think there's there is something to that now. Halloween is solved. Mm. Everybody right. gets to go as Megan. Halloween. It. Exactly. Well, here's the other thing. It harkens back to the relationship with um, the Terminator in Terminator 2 and John O'Connor. Uh, yeah. Is that right? John O'Connor? Sarah Connor? Con- John Connor? John Connor. Connor. John Connor. No, no, yeah. Just Connor. No, oh, John Connor. Sarah Connor. Are you Sarah Connor? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> exactly. Uh, but right. I mean, and if you think me about if you want to live. I mean, <laughs> a, another master of this, James Cameron, with every new sequel, it's not just a follow up. He's giving you a new, fascinating. Entry point. What is this like in Terminator Two? This liquid metal Terminator, and have you seen this boy in that Robert Patrick performance? So memorable, so iconic. He created that liquid metal visual effect mm. for that movie, and like that's the kind of stuff that you need to do now. To, it's such a hard task to get people excited to go to a movie theater. It is, yeah, and it, you know, the for parents, you know, it's, it, whoever wrote the screenplay, I just give them a little Akira kudos because. Mm-hmm. who is it again uh akila cooper is her name she also wrote malignant she mm-hmm. understood like parents are going to take their daughters to the, see this etc there's a lot of like injected parenting like you're not a good parent you are a good parent what is parenting today in the age of tiktok what is parenting are you just like hey this doll is better at parenting this ai is better than parenting than i am because there is of course the standard um uh what do you call uh, folks who 
like the helicopter social parents. worker there's like yeah. a social worker who's mm-hmm. like you know mm-hmm. checking in on the child who has been adopted because her parents have died and she's like wait what is this megan doll doing here what is this about you know and uh you know this sort of dialogue is going on about like what is good parenting screen time how much time with the doll yada, yeah yada. yeah um, but the doll also sings Sia's Titanium, one of my favorite you know, <laughs> anthems. Yeah. So that's like her way of singing her to bed is like, you know, you're bulletproof, your titanium. Aww. And it's super cute. <laughs> While she's like murdering little boys who are torturing okay, this okay. girl. I'll leave it spoilers. Uh yeah, not too many spoilers. But um also the scores are crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, we talk often on the show about like what did the Rotten Tomato <laughs> show? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's usually the opposite. Like the audience on a pop culture movie like this would be higher than the yeah critics. horror. It, it 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 it's very weird and tricky with horror because okay, a lot explain. a lot of a lot of horror fans, if they if a movie is sold as a horror movie and then they go and it's not people being murdered a lot and it's bloody and R rated and it doesn't feel like oh, a scream nerds. movie or a James Wan movie, then they're like, I, this did not this is not a horror movie. Man, you know, so like a lot of like Malignant's another good example of a lot of horror fans love it. And it became like a cult thing as soon as it popped up on HBO Max. But a lot of mainstream horror fans were like, this isn't the conjuring. I want jump scares. I want I want conventional horror movie expectations. And, Hmm. you know, like sometimes these clever kind of new takes on it don't meet those expectations. And so a lot of the time, the audience score on horror films seems weirdly low. Even if the movie is good and there are a lot of people who liked it. That's yeah. kind of a, That's an interesting insight on the scores because it was they don't seem to make a ton of sense. No, it, oh, this is a this is a weird horror thing, especially Hilarious. it happens. It's extreme when you have like a 24 horror movies like and it's very artful and it's slowly paced and it's not doing the usual horror movie thing. A lot of horror fans just hate that and they reject it out of pocket. So stuff like this is what's kind of Scream 5 was sort of making fun of stuff like mm-hmm. the Babadook or it follows like they're they're very popular with some segments of the horror there universe but genre not fit there's right. like there's horror genre then there's like this new art genre they call it elevated horror but Got right it. there's like horror movies that are trying well, we to really be, have as massive fan horror gatekeeping or or just like i mean no. there there is a Got certain it. breed of horror fan that is just like i don't want mm. a thoughtful movie i don't want a movie that's about themes i don't want a movie that's really about story i want somebody who's terrifying and he's trying to murder people and they're all very scared and people get their heads bashed in got it yeah i mean there was that midsomar is that a example of an aster's definitely one of these elevated guys Mm. where people love those movies and they have huge fan bases but hereditary Mm. probably has a a weirdly low audience score because it's like well this isn't Hereditary was terrifying. It's terrifying, but in a weird, gets in your yes. head, unsettling way. Not Exorcist kind of way, right? Not in uh. a Michael Myers is stalking teens through suburbia kind of way, which is what a lot of horror, a lot of horror fans, they just want the Conjuring. That's what that's what horror is. It's yeah. a, it, there's a there's bumps in the night, and you're looking out, and then something jumps out at you, and it's a demon, and that's it. I you think know? this is a theme, though. This Jason Blum guy is pretty smart because haven't other directors or i should say producers said show me the monster let's get the monster and then i'll make a decision to green light the pick oh, on sure. that. I, he didn't he didn't like, did that happen that. in jaws as well did they make the shark first or like do a shark well, scene or something jaws kind of the flip example where bruce the shark the mechanic barely worked and so yeah. spielberg's spielberg was like you know what let's just not show the shark on camera and i'll make it suspenseful and intense about how you don't ever see the shark uh, that was necessity because the shark was mm. malfunctioning most of the time, and makes it uh, more Hitchcock-like where you don't see it, right? Uh, I, but but definitely, Jason Blum did not invent this concept of like I need to see how it's going to look on camera. Yeah. I just think now that sort of like having this brand that is immediately recognizable and this character that everybody knows that you can franchise out and put on everything and have do the Fortnite dances and make into a Halloween costume and like. That's such a huge thing in pop culture in 2023. It's all about branded characters and IP. You know, there's whole movies of just like, oh, Optimus Prime is going to meet Chucky in this. And so like being able to create your own Mm. from scratch, his 
massively valuable in 2023. Like beyond, like the best thing. Oh, I see a business do. opportunity, Molly. My mind is such like a entrepreneur. You're like, how can I make money? Out Capital months. Let's go. Um, Great. I was just thinking, you know, if you were one of these um, people who works in Hollywood who makes monsters, you know, makeup artists, etc., you should just go out on the weekend, one weekend, with a couple of your friends, sign a contract that you're going to create a couple of IP characters uh, that you will share ownership in, make a couple of monsters, make not a short film, not a 10 minute film, make a TikTok. Mm-hmm. Put a little thing, with you know, they put a little bit of copy, and then they show the monster, reveal Have the you, monster, and then be done with it. There's a, there's a, and then go oh, sell the character, give it a great name. Genius. There's a, there's a Eli Roth started a, a an internet brand called Crypt TV, and this is what they do: they make shorts and they make web videos and they make movies about. They just create their own monsters, and then they put mm-hmm. them in a bunch of videos, and then it's like you know, here's Birch the 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 tree lady or whatever, you know, like that. That's that's the idea. Is like how uh-huh. can we just like. A, a house for churning out these kinds of characters. It's hard. I mean, it's hard to make something on the level of Megan that everybody wants to be part of. But you could see, I mean, Disney understands this too. Every new big Disney Plus show or Disney movie, like that's what they're trying to do is like, how do we make the the cute little guy from this thing a character everybody's going to love and remember and want to buy a plushie of and want to go on a ride and put on a shirt and like this yeah, guy? exactly. Yeah. Like they're 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 very like Grogu is like the ultimate you know version of this. Mm. Yes, or as we call him, Baby Yoda. Baby well, today Yoda. La, let's uh, let's keep talking about properties that this today is like my nightmare show because I'm a giant chicken, mm. so I'm not <laughs> uh, and likely will not watch either of the things we're talking about. But the other thing that's hitting hard this week in streaming is The Last of Us on oh, yeah. HBO, which oh, had true. the second highest viewed premiere after house of the dragon mm-hmm. and i find this fascinating because where projects go to die has historically been video game adaptations yeah and the last of us is a game that people feel really strongly about it's super it's very emotional content i remember one e3 where they rolled out a, a trailer for a last of us installation and all of us like everybody cried Oh, wow. literally everyone and everybody was tweeting like why are we all crying at this stupid thing this isn't a zombie game but so it's like a walking dead kind of like zombie video game adaptation with heart. Right. Yeah. If I'm getting that correctly, and it seems to be hitting. Yeah. I mean, the, the game is basically kind of an experiment in, you know, if you mix that kind of like a, a resident evil survival horror kind of video game, but what if you really leaned into the story? What if you, you know, really wrote it like a show or a film invested a lot in the characters brought in the best voice actors in the business to really sell it and really focus on making it as cinematic as possible and narrative and telling a story and people loved it and it really worked well and so now the challenge with the show is well we if you played the games you know the story you can't they can't totally change the story or they'll upset the fans who want to see the story but how do you keep it feeling fresh for people like me who already know mostly what happens mm. and so so far i think they're they're nailing it but that's a big challenge it, it was seems like it, it was first controversial episode. too yeah oh, 90 minute nine because you had that oh, you have gosh. a 30 minute prologue that's really not in the games the game's sort of open and it's already the post-apocalyptic future we kind of gather what happened to joel through backstory and mm. the the show made this bold i thought it worked really well like the whole first half hour is like let's just see joel's story play out which I thought was very effective. That's Joel. also Tanduay Newton's daughter played Joel's daughter in that opening half hour. I don't know if you guys knew that. She was great. I have um, not. It I have is not definitely it zombies. It was definitely emotional. Um, yeah. And I did see a lot of people uh, who are into the video game. It brought that built-in audience. But this, unlike some of the other shows, like, correct me if I'm wrong here, Long, because I'm not really into video games. Um, they're, you know, for something like Angry Birds, which became a movie, mm-hmm. um, Sonic the Hedgehog, Pokemon, sure. yeah, um, Doom became a movie, and then also Halo became a movie. Show, Halo, show, show, show. Halo, we talk Halo about and The Paramount Witcher, 
are the two yeah, big Witcher, kind of shows. Well, Witcher was also a, a series of novels before it was yeah, a game. Yeah, so yeah. that's a little bit of a weird one. Okay, yeah, that's a weird. Oh, that's an interesting one. Game to video game to, to it was TV books, show. It was books game. and short stories, and then they made the game out of it. And books then the ne- Netflix is kind of going back to the writing, mm. but they're, it's sort of all together. Well, here's the thing. Uh, and correct me if I'm wrong. There's so many here. examples. Like Cinematics um, in video games have become much more rich and robust and they're longer. So I remember when video games started adding these like little cinematic things. So between cut levels, scenes, yeah. I guess, cutscenes. Yeah. They would do like 30 seconds and then, you know, like kind of entertain you and move the story forward and then yeah. okay, now play this level kind of a situation. I mean, if these consoles get more and more powerful, their processing speed up, you know, they can handle much bigger, more more of that. Like more Well, they also of have the guys. budget though, right? So to make a yeah. cinematic episode. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what I thought was kind of interesting is I saw that this movie has lots of cinematics, um, just like the Star Wars uh, video games seem to. And somebody wow. was tweeting, you see here on the screen, scenes from the video game cinematics, not the gameplay, right? The cutscenes mm-hmm, cut versus the actual realized Dang. TV show. Yeah. They're tight. Yeah, I mean that and that's that's the kind of thing I'm saying is like I feel like you 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 have to do some of that so that the people who played the game feel, you know, like okay, this is an adaptation of the thing I love. They're doing it. They love the property the way I do and they respect it and it's not like cuz this is what's going on with The Witcher right now. Is The Witcher creative team that made the show came in and they're like, "Look, it's a show. We're not making books. We're not making video games. We got to do this our own way." And they're making a lot of big, bold, decisive changes to the source material. And fans don't really like it. In fact, the rumor is, and I can't say this. I don't know if this is true. The rumor is that's why Henry Cavill, who's a hardcore fan of the games, wanted out of the show. Because he's like, we're not, I don't, it doesn't feel authentic to the games and their world. And I don't want to do it anymore. So that's why I you say see. people are losing their minds over Blood Origin. Like losing right. it. Okay, but. It's so interesting because it doesn't seem... What's Blue Origin? Uh, Blood Origin sorry, is a Blood prequel series they made, that Netflix made, that's like a thousand years before setting up the events of The Witcher. But again, uh, I it's think like they're, they're playing a little fast new. and loose with the mythology as established uh, in the books and the games, and people don't people. Oh, don't it's Michelle like Yeoh. That. Yeah, Michelle that's Yeoh what I keep saying. This, yes. I had to watch, like, you know, my son showed me a... 12 minute YouTube. It's just like an angry guy ranting about Witcher Blood Origin and how it's yeah. nowhere near nothing about this is in the games or the right. books or the da 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 da. da. And, and Halo it's just, just same... an abomination. And the Halo whole time I was just screaming the... back at the TV. I was like, it has Michelle Yo. Like, I'm watching the hell yeah. out of this. Lighten up, kid. Halo oh, is the same thing. It's like Master Chief's taking his helmet off and he's like in love with right. some woman and it doesn't feel like the game. So you have to, you don't have a choice. You can't just go totally off the reservation and make your completely own thing that doesn't feel like it the heart of the the original ip is still there why hasn't blumhouse gone public he should take this company public they have (laughs) to be all the way back to megan i'm just trying to make a j trade blumhouse is a genius jason jason blum is uh i mean yeah i need to talk to jason blum because i i actually reached out to somebody who knows quentin tarantino um i I reached out to my quentin tarantino connect after listening to his book and I said to him, I said, you know, there's QT, um, you know, mm-hmm. as they call him, uh, you know, what, you're friends with him. Uh, yeah. I'm not friends with him. I met him once. Um, I said, I does QT own his own movies? And they said, of course not. He sells them. Yeah. And then he he's made yeah. a ton of money. Buckets. Well, that was, this is what was going on with the Pulp Fiction NFTs. He was in this whole fight. Yeah. With, uh, and, and so I said, you know, I've been watching these syndicates um, do very well. And uh, somebody on his stature, I said, he already wants to do a TV show. Like, what could a TV mm-hmm. show cost? I'm like, you know, five million an hour or something. I don't know, ten million an hour, like which is what this, you know, high size IP. But maybe he could do it for much more, less, right? Yeah, it could be if you're making Game of Thrones, it's for. Yeah, it could be like a million or three. I was like, I wonder if like a syndicate with Quentin Tarantino's fans owning pieces of his IP because he said he wants to do a TV show. Mm-hmm. He wrote a TV show. He said, and Spielberg, I, I heard this week, wants to do TV. Yes. Wants to do some long form thing. You could have, um, like some other artists have actually funded their own TV shows uh, and then just delivered them to the sure. networks. The, based on the fan base. So I was like, do you think it's something he might be open to? 
Because I might want to try that. Like, I wonder if you could actually put a syndicate together. And then, you know, everybody's in the yeah. syndicate. They have to have company, their name as a producer and a yeah. title card. There's a company and they get to come Legion, to the premiere. There's a company called Legion M in Hollywood that's doing this. They made that They made that Nicolas Cage uh, horror. Uh. What was that called? Hang on. I'll look it up. Uh, and this is this is their this is their idea. They they like the public. You can exactly buy shares in projects, and then they actually like turn those things into movies. And then you know, I I don't I don't know how the ownership works. Like if you if it actually gets uh, hmm. it's color out of space. That's the Nicolas Cage horror movie I was thinking of. Color oh. out of space, which is based, there on, it is. based on a Lovecraft uh, story. Uh, so that I, I, it's a similar kind of idea where it's like crowdfunding mm-hmm. these these projects and then the fans get to vote on which project they want to pursue and which filmmaker huh. and whatever, you know, so it's like semi democratic in terms of how the movies get funded. Um, but I think it's a fascinating idea. And I do think filmmakers who it's like a great example is I don't know if you guys have heard about Skinamarink. No. Super low budget horror film that this guy made in his parents' house for like 20 grand. And it's managed to get distribution. It's in theaters right now, mostly because of a viral TikTok campaign where people were finding weird clips from this movie. It's like these, it's a bed's very lo-fi. It's about these two kids who have been left alone and there's some kind of presence in their house, demon in their house, and they're like running around hiding in the house trying to stay away from it. Uh, but anyway. A guy like that. Blair, which project? Ask. Sure. Well, it's just like a very experimental, very low, low budget, not really narrative driven, just like the experience of these two mm-hmm. kids getting increasingly freaked out in this dark house by themselves and using a lot of like sound and other kinds of sl- small, subtle elements to make it scary. But a guy like that who can turn in a movie for, you know, 20, 30 grand, imagine what he could do with a hundred grand. Million, it would make yeah. perfect sense for yeah. someone like that who's got this viral fan base now to like, yeah, fund the next movie entirely from the internet. Why take A24's money? Yeah. Uh, interesting. Fascinating. Mm-hmm. I know. Uh, oh, I'm Pedro Pascal of... is the person in in The Last of Us. Yeah. Last the Last of Us. Of us. So the story, the for, those who, those, he, for the, those who are not familiar, the, the story is that Joel is a guy. So this this takes place 20 years after modern civilization was destroyed. Uh, Joel is this main character played by Pedro Pascal, who's hired to transport Ellie, who is played by uh, Bella Ramsey, who played Liana Mormont in Game yeah, of Thrones. Also from Game um, of Thrones. Both Game who, of Thrones actors there. there. Oh, yeah, right. Who is uh, a 14-year-old girl who needs to be saved, rescued, taken out of this quarantine zone to an unknown destination. Right. It, it, 20 years ago, there was a, a fungal outbreak that uh, turns humans into zombies. You get infected by this fungus that takes over, mutates your body in a lot of disgusting ways and turns you into what we would recognize, a, a flesh-eating monster chasing you around, shambling zombies. Uh, so it's it's very Walking Dead-ish. We're sort of jumping 20 years after civilization fell. There are these quarantine zones where people live huddled together in safety. Uh, and then most of America is just this vast, scary, who knows what's going on out there, wasteland, you know. I forgot that Pedro Pascal was Oberon. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, I the, did too. The Viper. What is Oberon, that? Yeah, Viper. he was awesome. So good. That was mm-hmm. where most of us sort of discovered him for the first time. I think. Uh, you see the Mandalorian three. In our, uh, in the Mandalorian our last... three trailer is out, by the way. Yeah, yeah. I know. I saw it during uh, a sporting event, the Bucks game. Yeah. The other I, night. Uh, Star what, Wars um, fans get so much more stuff out of that than I do. Like, I, I, I feel like I'm a Star Wars fan, and then there's a trailer like that, and everybody's like, "Oh my god, did you see Grubus Bleeblo? He was in there." I can't believe we're going to Planet Shandrax. And <laughs> don't like, start what? Star Wars. We gotta don't start Star Wars. We gotta wrap. Jason okay. will give us the entire history of Glubla Bleeblar if we're not careful. <laughs> Lon, what? Um, okay, I'm almost done with Kaleidoscope. We'll talk oh, about okay. that. What else should we be? What else should we be watching? There is a fascinating Peacock show on right now called Paul T. Goldman. I don't know if I told you guys about this one before. It's the guy who did Borat 2, and he worked on a bunch of Nathan Fielder stuff. So he found this guy, this regular, real person guy, who wrote Uh a book about how he got married, and his wife was was lying to him about who she was, and he untangled this whole vast conspiracy. He's he's nuts. I mean, this this guy is is not a sane man. And he wrote this story that's basically cast himself as an action hero taking on this international criminal conspiracy. And so 
Jason Wallner, the Borat 2 guy, was like, okay, we're going to turn it into a show. So the show is right. both an adaptation of his story and a behind-the-scenes chronicle of making this show with this lunatic, this, like, self-deluded weirdo. It's very funny and strange. Awesome. Uh, I think you did mention it, but I'm still going to watch it. Sounds amazing. Yeah, I I enjoyed that one. Uh, Also, Servant is back uh, for its final season on Apple TV+. Nobody's watching Servant. It's so freaking good. Uh, M. Night Shyamalan produces it. It's like this weird... it's, It's got horror elements, but very, very rarely does anything actually horrifying happen. It's all slow burn, but it's just uh, Lauren Ambrose and Toby Kebbell are this rich couple in Philadelphia and they have a baby. There's more to it than that, but I don't want to give anything away. And they hire this weird girl who turns out to be a refugee from a cult to be their new nanny. She almost seems like she's got supernatural powers, perhaps. There's some very mysterious stuff about her and it just all builds and builds from there. Uh, also, uh, Rupert Grint, uh, Ron Weasley from the Harry Potter films is, is, uh, is also in here. Uh, I, uh, I am not, I'm just going to say this and then we will end. I am not stoked about the return of horror as America's favorite genre. It's like the eighties all over again. As long as I get more, more, as long as I get more big budget, crappy action movies to pair with horror, (laughs) like the eighties were. I'll be this happy. Is not, it's not gory at all. It's like, it it's like a psychological no, it thriller. Matter. It's very weird and suspenseful. On a zero to ten chicken scale, I'm um, a right. nine and a half. Yeah. Uh, the buddy. one other thing I was going to mention is uh, Jeremy Renner's Mayor of Kingstown is back on Paramount <laughs> Plus for a second that season. And, uh, it's a, it's another one of those Taylor Sheridan uh, shows. And, and I think it's really good. I, I'm, I'm going to watch I'm it just because I think there's a, a potential uh, bromance for me. Uh, celebrity bromance. Right. We're both up in Tahoe. Yeah, uh, and we're totally. both like you know real men, uh, and he's back home, uh, and he's um, you know, yeah, sure. he's healed up. So he's, on the he's, yeah, he's recovering, recovering now. But yeah. uh, Mayor Kingstown, a, a really, you know, I got a chainsaw. He's got like a snow cat. You know, we're both he's doing out there dangerous building, field building work. vehicles, and yeah, 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 yeah just standard right. stuff that just, guys. We gotta, are we're gonna go uh, track yeah, down stuff. Jeremy Renner's email address, Lon. Yeah. Thank you All as right. always. See, See you next week. Bye. Take care.